Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh! This is Wretched Radio, longing for you to send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. And don't forget stories and articles. I'm afraid you've been a little lax lately on that end of the spectrum. If you see something wretched, by all means, send it. Now, for instance, I would not have known that a sports talk guy, his name is irrelevant, would decide, you know, I'm a sports commentator. I'm going to share my thoughts on Roe v. Wade because it just seems right up his alley, doesn't it? Besides dropping a bunch of F-bombs, I did think that it was a good reminder to us to remember the basics of the pro-life argument. Don't forget to take out your sled and trot out your totter, toddler. The SLED acronym, size, level of development, environment degree of dependence and then trot out your toddler would you do that to a two-year-old then why would you do it to a child because it always brings the subject back to the fundamental question what is it and these days we are seeing so many assumptions for instance i think he's the president of the united states that's it yeah the president of the united states commenting on what he believes to be a hauling news out of the Supreme Court, was reminiscing about his grilling of Judge Robert Bork. If you remember that back in 1987, if you ever thought that Joe Biden used to be a Catholic who was pro-life, but then through political expediency became pro-abortion, wrong. 1987, he was arguing strongly against Bork on the subject of abortion. The other day, he said this, and this ain't easy. I said to Bork, I believe the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union to delegate some rights. I have to the government for social good. Okay, the second half of that really, I maybe you know government lingo better than I do. I'm not sure those sentences made sense. But how ironic that he would say that a woman has the right to abort a child because she's a child of God. Whew. Thanks for making the pro-life argument, but what is the fundamental reason that he would see, no, a woman has a right as a child of God to take the life of a baby. What's the difference? 
he doesn't think it's a child or if he does he's overlooking it or he's just pretending that doesn't exist or he just doesn't care but that's always the question what is it the sports broadcaster brought a slightly different perspective to the subject besides who can you drop the f-bomb that much on on radio and tv these days apparently you can quote some religious people be like oh baby no 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 i'm just reading it 90 percent anybody who's normally thinking it's a bleep a woman wants to do it it's her choice her body her choice all that okay not entirely articulate but do you hear how the sled would derail his argument can a woman choose to do anything she wants no we have laws that prohibit us from doing certain things with our body that's why the fundamental question is what is it if you find yourself in a conversation with somebody on this subject these days and i don't mind telling you it's a good time to talk about it because if you jump on your sled trot out your toddler you will show them repeatedly arguments like it's her body she can't do anything with her body that you can't use your body to press the accelerator to the floor in a hospital zone there are lots of laws that restrict it the question that needs to be answered is what is it inside of a woman's body and at the very least you'll get somebody to agree well it's a life all righty then so we agree that abortion ends a life of what and i think the answer is obvious one last comment from our bleeping sports broadcaster to go backwards it shows how bleeped politics are and his concern is that this is like going back in time quote my question is what strength does citing the past bring to your argument and the answer is nothing frankly for either side to simply say well this is like going back to the 20s which is what he claimed well who's to say that they were wrong in the 20s you see time or the date of an argument doesn't have any bearing on its validity it is either true or it is false so to go back in time to complain that we're going back in time it just isn't an argument any more than we could say the exact same thing in reverse don't let people dupe you jump on your sled trot out your toddler and you will win the life argument every time jimmy normally at this time a really good talk show host would talk about a 13 episode series called life is best which helps you to jump on your sled trot out your toddler and deal with all of this just unbelievably poor arguments of the pro-abortion side at wretched.org but we're not going to do that instead we're going to get to the mailbag with questions comments conundrum snarks you sent to idea at wretched.org all right we're going to start with a really tough one Adrian wants to know, how did the whole Mr. 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 bit get started? <laughs> well, I don't know how it got started, but I know it's out of control. It, it's an old joke. It, you know, okay, so I would say, Jimmy, do you want, let's see if you can, if you remember the genesis of the joke. But if I met you, I would say, well, it's, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Hicks. 
Yes. And you would say. My dad is Mr. Hicks. Okie dokie, then. This should have been rehearsed. <laughs> well, Let's just do it in reversal. Okay. You just met me and you say. Hello, Mr. Friel. It's Mr. Mr. Friel to you. Okay. See, it's sort of like because you shouldn't be calling me something so casual because I'm so exalted. Uh, okay. So that went on for a bit. But that didn't last because then people would say, Mr. Mr. Friel. So I'd have to say it's Mr. 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 Friel to you. Then they'd say, well, Mr. 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 Friel. And I'd have to say Mr. 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 Friel to you. And then we all started singing Kyrie Lazon. I don't know why. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Kyla, who says, hi, Wretched. Uh, Christians who suffer from the sin of drinking alcohol in excess, are they to look solely to Christ alone for help with turning away from this sin, or is uh, something like AA helpful? Yeah, you know, you have to admit, AA has helped some people, but it's kind of like a blind knife finding a squirrel in the shed twice a day. Instead, there is a much better biblical approach to dealing with addictions. First of all, they're not. That is a clinical term. When somebody is consuming a lot of alcohol regularly, the Bible identifies them as a drunkard or a wine bibber which makes that behavior a sin. AA is not going to tell you that. They'll tell you, hey, aren't you tired of the effects? Aren't you weary from waking up with a headache? Well, that's maybe true, but it doesn't help you to mortify the sin that causes the headache because they don't label it as a sin. The Bible does. And that's good news because God helps people in overcoming sin. So out of the gate, a biblical counseling approach would be, let's interpret the subject in biblical language. You're not an alcoholic. You're a drunkard. Now, what is going on in that heart? I'm not sure, but I think in Transformed, our new series, which is out right now, you can find it at transformed.org or wretched.org. Just go to the Transformed link. And you can see all about the 13 episodes. One of the people, and by the way, she's just doing so great right now. We're actually going to do a follow-up on her in season two because she was struggling with alcohol and pot every day. And now she's not. And one of the roots we explored with her, because remember, being a drunkard, that's a fruit. There's a root. And one of the roots, for instance, is what? Idolatry. It, it's, it's a worship disorder. You've had a hard day. You want to cut the edge off of it. Who wants to cut the edge off of it for you? The Lord. Who can cut the edge off of it for you? The Lord. We're to seek him for our comfort. We're to seek him for our joy. We're to run into the strong tower when we are feeling like we've had a really miserable day, not into a bottle of booze. So when you are tempted to do that, consider you are making a worship decision. And I make, am I going to worship Jesus Christ or Jack Daniels? And that answer should be very, very obvious. Instead of AA or even celebrating recovery, consider biblical counseling. This is Wretched Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are certainly grateful for your time. So here's a crazy scenario. Did you know that there is a way for you to know all of the latest happenings at Wretched? When you can't even keep up with all that's happening in your own life, you can keep up with everything happening at Wretched. See, told you it was a crazy scenario. But you can keep up with all of these things by signing up to receive the monthly Wretched newsletter. Each month, Wretched sends out a newsletter covering tough theological issues Christians are facing today, and you're also going to get the updates about what's new and upcoming at Wretched. Makes you kind of wish somebody would send you a newsletter about what's going on in your own life. Well, we can't do that, but we can certainly let you know what's happening in ours. Plus, we give away resources every single day to one of our newsletter recipients. So, go get signed up for the Wretched newsletter now at wretched.org slash newsletter. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby. 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28. You could provide one of those ultrasounds, but I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Transformed. Our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org Important dates in Christian history 1536 John Calvin publishes The Institutes of the Christian Religion The most substantial theological work of the Reformation Calvin's ideas would deeply influence church and politics in Switzerland and Scotland And take root in the newly discovered North America this is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's a good day to be praying about Roe v. Wade. This is Wretched Radio uh, right now. Uh, Washington, D.C. is ablaze. Well, it's not literally ablaze yet. That could happen, but everybody's tongue is a wagon about the Supreme Court leak that indicates Roe v. Wade is going to be 
no more. That's a big deal. It's not the end of the fight by any means. The battle, it wages on. Or does it rage on? It does both of these things. It both pays and sets ablaze. And we'll need to continue with our pro-life arguments, including the Christian message to repent. Don't take the life of your child and know that if you have, you can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But we see this as a potential very big landmark decision. We should be bombarding God's throne with requests to make this happen and save the lives of children. We've aborted a large country, 60 million kids. It's interesting, the levels of melanin in most most of those children, 60 million babies. That's a sizable country. Let's be praying that God will end abortion now. And please send your questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Mike, who says, Todd, my fiance and I are getting married later this year, and we had our honeymoon planned for Disney World. Of course. Right. Yeah. Long story short, I was more game for the trip before this recent push by Disney. And in light of recent events, I decided we should try to go somewhere else. Brought it up to my fiance. She was go so well. Right. She was a bit hurt because she has many childhood and family memories at yeah. Disney World. Yeah. Mike says that uh, he's never been to Disney before, so he has no connections or, mem- or memories there. And he's wondering if he is looking at this the wrong way. I get his feeling. The question, though, isn't how you feel about spending money with Disney. The question is, is it is it going to be beneficial for your marriage? Because if it's not in and of itself a sin, and I don't think it is, remember, we're doing business with sinners every single day. And the people at Disney who are woke today, they were there yesterday and 10 years ago. So your your money is almost inevitably going to go to an organization that does things with it you don't like. If your conscience says, no can do, I cannot abide by giving any of my stewarded money to them for their use of really leftist propaganda, then don't do it. But I don't think we should make it a law. Therefore, unless it's a conscience issue for you, sir, where you would actually be able to say to your fiance, soon to be wife, and congratulations, by the way, honey, I can't do it. It's a sin for me. I, I can't. And she should understand that. You can take her to Romans chapter 14 for that to explain why we can't override our consciences. Uh, Short of that, sir, I would say that if my wife wanted to go, but I was just kind of bothered by it, but I didn't have the conviction that it was a sin, I'd go. Do your best to enjoy it. Spend as little as you can. And maybe in the future, you can make the decision to not do that again together as a couple. But I I wouldn't insist on that one because I wouldn't have any grounds other than my preference And one of the greatest pieces of advice that you will receive as you're about to get married is that you lose your preferences. I'm telling you, one of the most helpful sentences that ever popped into my noggin was when the family, we were together and talking about where we were going to go eat. And one wanted McDonald's. Ugh, McDonald's. One wanted Chick-fil-A. One wanted Zaxby's. Yeah, yeah, I'm all all about the Zaxby's. 
And everybody had their their opinion. Okay, so who wins the argument when you have five different opinions in a home? Well, the answer to that on a preference issue is not me. I'm not going to win. And the sentence that popped into my noodle was, it's just a meal. It's just a meal. Do I really have to have a more delicious Zaxby's chicken sandwich than McDonald's or Chick-fil-A? No, I don't have to have it. I prefer it, but it's a preference. So I give up preferences. And sir, the sooner you can do that out of the marital gate, you will run the race a whole lot better without running into a bunch of hurdles. And if you would like, sir, would encourage you if you'd like to make sure that your marriage is godly and biblical. I cannot recommend our drive-by marriage series strongly enough. You listen to those lectures and do the study guide together as a couple. I'm telling you, your marriage will simply be different. I'm reading a couple of different marriage books right now, just because. Well, uh, Paul Tripp, it's kind of a redo. No, no, Dave Harvey did When Sinners Say I Do. Tripp's book was, ah, uh, Oh, I didn't realize I was going to marry that. No, that's not what it was called. But that was basically the, the, the tenor of it. And I've been reading some Rick Thomas articles lately, and they all are banging the same drum. You need to know what your marriage is about. If your marriage is simply about happiness, you're in big trouble. Just received an email from a lady saying, I feel very insecure because sometimes I'll catch my husband's eyes wandering. And it, it just makes me feel really insecure. Now, got to be careful with this because you don't want to identify every reaction as a sin. It might be a valid reaction that you're hurt by that. That is fair. But having said that, how can you not feel insecure, which is the thrust of her concern? I'm, I'm so inconcer- uh, insecure in my marriage. And my response is um you are trying to find your security in the wrong source. If your husband can jeopardize your security, then, then, then you're looking for security in all the wrong places. Look to Jesus for your security. You are in him. It is well with your soul. Your eternity is set. He loves you as a beloved child. There is nothing you can do that can cause his love for you in Christ to waver. That's your security. Now you turn to your husband not needing him for your security. And then when he does something bad, that is, that is, could be a sin. It's not going to rock your boat because that's not what your husband is for. And that's not what your wife is for. Furthermore, your husband and wife aren't for your happiness. Furthermore, your husband and wife are not for your fisc, for your financial security. They are not there so that you can just have children. If that's why you're getting married, stop now, because you are headed for danger. You need to define it biblically. We are in this for holiness. We are in this to get to the finish line and hear Jesus say to both of us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what marriage is about. Running the race of faith together, growing in godliness, raising godly children to glorify God. That will change everything. You can learn more about that drive by marriage. It's at wretched.org. 
All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Well, I want to keep it in the uh, in the realm of marriage because we have a question from Ethan who says, Todd, how does a husband who has been trying very, very hard for years to lead his spiritually lethargic wife to read her Bible and pray more every day? I'm sorry. I shouldn't bring this up because I haven't read it yet. But um, according to one website, well, you could spank her. (laughs) Somebody just sent me a link to a website that had an article about why it's biblical to spank your wife. (laughs) I don't recommend that. In fact, I recommend against that. What do you do with somebody who is spiritually lethargic? Whether it's your children or it's your spouse, remember you're not the Holy Spirit. You cannot ignite their passion for Jesus. You cannot convert them. You cannot regenerate them. All you can do is wisely put the hay in front of them, hoping they'll eat. Put the water in the trough, hoping that they will drink. Do it wisely. I don't think that you should be insistent. I I would say if your wife doesn't want to go to church, oh, honey, I wish you would. I really do. I, I just think you'd, you'd grow to love it as much as I do. But that's between you and God. So I'm taking the kids to church. I'll see you when we get back. Pancakes would be nice. You don't, you don't have to add the pancake, waffles, whatever it is that you're into. I, I, I wouldn't insist on it. Now, there might be some people who disagree with me. I, okay, I just don't see me as being able to force somebody to go to church. What about with children? Again, you can certainly disagree with me on this. This is my opinion. I think little children, they go to church. When a kid is at a level of responsibility where this kid knows what he is neglecting by not going to church, that it would be a sin to forsake the assembling of the saints. So we're talking about teenager here. I personally I'm not sure that I would insist. Now, other people would argue, just to give the other side of the coin, no, you need to put them under the hearing of the word of God. And so, therefore, you should bring them. I hear that. But I do think at some point with a kid who is being rather recalcitrant or downright nasty and angry about it, it's between you and God. And let the Holy Spirit do the convicting work. You are not your child's Holy Spirit. You're not responsible for their eternal state. God is. Feel free to disagree by sending an email to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. We start today with a story that's very existence puzzles me. Headline from Christianity Today, white evangelicals twice as likely to want to ban abortion. So the story pulls its information from a new report from Pew Research and the statistics they share are accurate. But here's my conundrum. The Pew report details the results of a survey conducted in March regarding the public's attitude toward abortion. The breakdown of those who support or oppose abortion from numerous scenarios like the length of a woman's pregnancy, the specific conditions related to the pregnancy like rape or incest, the question of when life begins, the health of the woman, the stage of pregnancy, illegally performed abortions, 
Also, the partisan differences were looked at as well as different opinions across genders, and it was all compiled in this massive report. And at the very end of the report, race and religion were also looked at. And the fact that race and religion were compiled in the report is not the confusing part for me. The confusing part is that with research as comprehensive and detailed as this, the headline for your story is racially charged. I guess that's what gets more clicks. The Reverend Keith Walters, who's a British pastor who left his job over a pro-family tweet, has been vindicated in court. Reverend Walters tweeted in 2019 that Christians shouldn't support LGBT Pride Month as it supports a culture that's contrary to the Christian faith. And within minutes of his tweet, reporters were harassing the pastor and his family. And after threats and front page articles and an investigation, the pastor eventually resigned his job. Fast forward, and now the UK Employment Tribunal found that the pastor's employer discriminated against him as a Christian and violated UK's Equality Act of 2010. Good for him, and more good news making headlines. I know there's been concern over this and more discussion than you can even talk about regarding minors being allowed to participate in medical procedures that mutilate their bodies and can't be reversed. But now we can all rest our minds. That's because the Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra has assured us that boys who believe they're girls are allowed to permanently mutilate their bodies only after having been consulted appropriately. What a relief. For a minute, I was starting to think that they cared nothing about children at all. David Namo of the Christian Legal Society and Gregory Baylor of the Alliance Defending Freedom recently shared that pastors around the country should understand and get prepared for a time, which could be soon, that preaching the gospel would become hate speech in this country. They advise that pastors should prepare but not waver. Continue proclaiming the gospel without fear and without worry. Don't be afraid, but also don't hide from the fact that it is getting more and more hostile in America. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Zephaniah begins with a shocking prophecy that God will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. But in the midst of judgment, God offers hope of salvation. Zephaniah gives us a picture of God's terrible wrath and reminds us of the wrath Jesus took upon himself for our sake. Flee to the Savior and be saved. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Emails. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org, please. This is Wretched Radio. Don't forget about sermons, articles from afar. You're in a foreign country and you think it's wretched. Please send it to idea at wretched.org. Okay, this one comes from John, who says, Todd, is the shunning of Christians something that we should still be doing today? Do we shun people just because they have different opinions of us Mm. or different opinions than us? The answer to this question is a definitive yes, no. Do we shun? Well, I'm not nuts about the word. I prefer the biblical language that we find in Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5, that if somebody is persisting in sin, unrepentant, willful lifestyle of sin, and they've been warned, then the body sets them out as a loving act to startle them. Hey, come back. Reveal that you're merely a wandering sheep and not a lost goat. We love you so much. We're so concerned that you are ACDCing that we want you to be set out from the body and we're not going to have contact with you. 
You can call that shunning if you like. I just think it has too much baggage. It sounds too cultish to me. So let's use the biblical language. Yes, there are those times. They're far more rare than just meeting a Christian you disagree with. But it should be happening. Your church, if it never has church discipline, something is a little off in your church. Even if it's a small church. Remember, the average size church, by the way, in this country is 75 souls. So if you've got 75 people, you can now, 76 people, you can stop saying you're a small church. <laughs> and you will probably have somebody that requires loving church discipline. And an aspect of it is indeed to set them out. Now, what about Christians with whom you disagree to shun them? Not a chance. No way. Now, are there times when you would not fellowship with somebody and break with them because they are either having too great of an influence on you than you are on them? Yes, but that's just wisdom, not shunning. Furthermore, if it's an essential doctrine, you can't have fellowship with that person. But I don't think that means we have to shun them. It doesn't mean we can ever talk to them, that we can't even be polite to them. I don't think separating from them means that level of shunning. We're to love everybody, including our enemies. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. Well, then, speaking of that, loving I told our- you that my tooth hurts today, Jimmy. Your tooth hurt. What happened to your tooth? Thanks for asking. Did you run into the wall again? <laughs> No, but I'm telling you, I got a permanent bruise on my beak because I ran into the wall. <laughs> I do. I mean, you don't even have to look that closely. I like permanently bruised my nose when I walked in front of it, which was it didn't do much for my self-esteem when I realized that my nose is leading everything. It's the it sticks out that far bang into the wall. No, I'm, I, I got the tooth. I'm almost done with the tooth thing. With the, uh, what do they call it? The transplant, the implant. Yeah, yeah. You've been working on that for a year and a half. Oh, it feels like 10. I don't <laughs> mind telling you. I'm thinking I could use a little a little Advil Mickey right about now. The guy was about as gentle as a bull moose. I'm, you know, there's some doctors, the dentists, that are just like so delicate and pristine and soft. Yeah. You're blessed if you have that dentist because, wow. And now it. Do you know what they did to me today? What did they do? To well, me? thanks for asking. What they did to me today was because they needed my mouth open further than I'm just want to open it up. They shoved a block <laughs> into my mouth, forcing my mouth open further to just stay there. And then they said, are you comfortable with that? Ah, uh, what are you? How are you supposed to answer? Yeah, How are you supposed to answer that? And then, Friel, we do not need these details. I was reminded, I do believe I... Sure, there's an issue, a, a medical term for this, an overactive salivary gland. Yes. Yeah. I, I so the, the block of wood is in my mouth. And, I, and I'm like, like, you know how somebody will like hang a shark mouth on the wall and it's wide open? Okay, that, I'm like a bear trap, wide open, just being forced open. And when I would try to swallow, I was like a water fountain. Stuff is shooting out of my mouth. It was, I'm sure they've seen this before, but it was like, well, this is embarrassing. Mm. I almost I almost gave the dentist a bath. 
is what I'm saying here. I'm a little drooly. Please send questions and thanks for asking. Comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Noah, who says, Todd, as Christians, I know we're supposed to show love and care even to the worst of sinners because we, too, are the worst of sinners and God showed his love and mercy to us. But in today's world, it seems more and more that love has been conflated with acceptance and approval of one's sinful behaviors. So how can we show love without it coming across as approval? Mm -hmm. Did I mention there's a screw now drilled (laughs) into my gums? No. Did I mention that? That's a tough line to find. And and I think that we, we do need to have the truth and love principle weighing very heavily on us. We are indeed commanded to love our enemies, and people would rightly argue it's not loving to overlook big, bad, ugly things. I agree with you. We should be pointing these things out. We should be talking about the sins of a government, of a particular politician. We should be talking to them as best we can with the megaphone that we have. And we should be talking to people that we know that we fear are in danger and are doing evil things. The question really is, because I agree we should be doing that, is when and how do we do that? Do I think that you need to be talking to everybody that you meet who's a sinner about their sin? No, you can't do that. That's not practical. I think there needs to be a context. And I think that there needs to be consideration about how we speak to them Because we do need to speak the truth. And there is, you got to ditch these days. All you are is a truth teller. Hey, you're a murdering, aborting, pedophile. You know, they just blast away. And then there's the other side. Well, you know, we all make mistakes. Can't judge me. Again, you know, I don't know how I, but by the grace of God, go I. Okay, hold on. I think both parties are in a ditch. I think that the, the, the particular situation will demand you to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, and that you use and choose your words very wisely, very thoughtfully, considering whether it's a Christian, a professing Christian, or somebody who's a rank unbeliever. You do want to try to speak the love uh, truth when appropriate, but it, it just has to be loving. And if we're never speaking truth, if we're never saying anything, then honestly, we're loving people right to hell. And that's wrong, too. Find the balance. And I'll just tell you, it ain't easy. Every situation demands that you use wisdom. I'm thinking of a situation right now. There's there's somebody that I bump into every week who's not a Christian. Do I talk to that person every single time about their need to repent? And do I share the gospel and say, hey, look, uh, what you just told me is really sinful. You need to stop that. No, not every time I bump into them. But there are times when I do. Why? Because sometimes it seems appropriate. There can be timing issues, et cetera, the context, the environment. Just be wise and speak truth and love simultaneously and send your questions or whatever to idea at wretched.org all right this one is from sebastian todd uh dear mr raised to the inferior 
infintieth power. Is that a word? It is now. (laughs) Are uh, images and artwork that uses a dove as a representation of the Holy Spirit outright idolatrous depictions of God? Mm, Only if you worship it. Otherwise, my position on iconography is that it is okay to have images of God as long as they're not worshipped. They're not set up in a bathtub in your backyard for you to pray to it. That's not what we should be doing. I, I, I think that we can be making images of God. We typically, with the Holy Spirit, use the dove because of the baptism of Jesus. And we. I'm just trying to think. What do we use for the Father? People will make pictures of Jesus. What image is ever used in artwork for the Father? Why can I not think of anything? Fire, maybe? Jesus says, if, you, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think artistically. Barrett, do you know? Sorry to wake you up over there. Do you know what, if somebody's making a painting and they want to show the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they use the Holy Spirit as a dove, Jesus as a bearded man. What? As a lion? Lion? Okay. You've seen that before? Okay. So then it's fine as long as it is not causing you to be confused about who the true and living God is. He's not a painting. He's not a picture. Make sure you're not worshiping it. Make sure you don't pray to it. But short of that, I personally, I just don't think. And here's why, by the way, in case you're wondering. God did manifest himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was an image of God. Wait a second. Isn't that what Colossians 1 tells us exactly? He's the physical image of the invisible God. So I do think we have permission. I don't think the prohibition about making graven images forbids paintings, but I do believe it forbids worship. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio is just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will 
never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs. Normally, kids clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to to meet the needs of those families. We had to escape serving them. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7 describes the Son of Man who came from heaven, received worship from all nations, and rules a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Jesus uses this title to affirm that he is fully human and fully divine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh boy! The terror of beep talks. This is Wretched Radio. If you would like to talk to us, and if you have a question, comment, conundrum, snark, and don't forget, comments are just swell. You want to correct me on something? By all means, do that. I am not the Pope. That's John MacArthur. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's... Nobody's the nobody's the Pope and nobody is infallible. So if you would like to express that, one eight seven seven two eight two I'm a thirty-five year old father of four, pretty busy on a Sunday morning. Kids go to Sunday school. I teach adult Sunday school. Our past has been really getting on all of us about being more welcoming. So like fellowship after the service, finding visitors and, and engaging them. And uh, I'm finding myself not necessarily caring about really eagerly trying to engage people I don't know. Am I having a bad attitude in this? Maybe. Could be a little bit of a personality bent, too. That That's just you're t- more of a type B or C or an X for that matter. Where you're just, that is uncomfortable for you. Do I think you're sinning if you fail to? Well, perhaps because of your attitude, and I can't judge that. Only you can ask the Lord to search your heart for that. But I would encourage you to start working on it. Make some progress forward. How might you, step by step, become more comfortable with greeting people? And I would actually suggest to you, rather than going to a Dale Carnegie book, We run to the Bible. Why should I want to greet somebody warmly who comes to church? Well, 
First of all, we're commanded to greet each other warmly. You don't have to be doing the holy kissing, but we should be greeting each other warmly because we're in the family of God. And if somebody comes, well, we're going to assume until we talk to them, they're a part of the family of God. We want to greet them warmly. So first of all, it's a commandment. Second of all, if it's somebody who's coming, we should just be wanting to serve them and help them in any way, make them feel comfortable with their setting because it's brand new to them. And you know what that felt like when you first went to a church. So it's an act of kindness for people. Furthermore, if it's somebody who's not saved, it's somebody who's straggling into a church, probably Christmas or Easter. Think of it as not being directly evangelistic, but undergirding evangelism. They're going to hear the preaching of the word of God from the pulpit you're loving on them. They, are, they should experience something different with Christians. How do you get that love built up in you? You need to remember that you two were a stranger. You were lost. Jesus welcomed you. Focus on what he did for you, stranger, and your love for strangers and your ability to greet them warmly will improve. one 282 beep one eight seven seven two eight two. Mister, 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 Monsieur, Mister, Signore, Mister Creole. How would you respond to those who say they want to try out Christianity, or those who say they have tried Christianity and it wasn't for them? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you 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 can try Christianity, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You can try, well, pretty much anything. You, you can try a new cologne if you'd like to, uh, but that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you've become cologne, does it? A person becomes a Christian by being born again, regenerated by the Spirit of God. And if somebody, air quote, tried Christianity and then left it, what does Second John 9 through 11, give or take, tell us? That they were never among us in the first place. So they can say they tried Christianity, but I would lovingly inform them, but you, you never were a Christian. I know you dabbled. Maybe you even had some ecstatic experiences, which are not unique for Christianity. You can get those by doing Kundalini and Hinduism, but you were not a genuine convert. You are what the Bible calls a false convert. The parable that you could run to if you'd like to read about yourself is the parable of the four soils. Jesus said, this is the parable. You don't get this one. You don't get the rest of them. You got to understand this because Jesus was constantly on the subject of true and false conversions and that there are people who hear they can maybe spring up with whoop-de-doo for a bit, but then the cares of the world, money issues, it chokes it away and they fade away because they were never planted rightly like the fourth soil. And as far as using the language to try Christianity, I have to confess to you, it makes me just bristle. To make my point, permit me to use a little bit of vocal hyperbole. <laughs> try Jesus. Please try him. Just try. Just try. No, you don't have to do everything. Just try him. Give it a go. Oh, come on, please. That is not what Jesus Command, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is the message to a person. Not give Jesus a go like he's a used car that you want to drive around to make sure that there aren't any secret problems in the engine. He's God and he commands everyone this day to repent. That's the language we should be using. 
I'll never forget. It was, I believe, Christmas or Easter. This was back years ago when we spent time watching Fox News, which I will just tell you, oh, we feel so much better since we don't. We were watching the Christmas. I think it was Sean Hannity. He had a pastor on. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And he said, hey, all I'm saying, just give Jesus a try for 30 days. And if you don't like him, you can have your money back. one 877 282 Hey, Todd. Church sign. ATM inside. Atonement. Truth. Mercy. Okay. I mean, a little, you know, eh. Okay. If you didn't catch that, ATM inside, atonement, truth, mercy. Okay. What was that? Somebody sent me one. I, I, I don't know why they didn't call it in. They sent it to me. It's better if you call in church signs, by the way, because they kind of get lost in my paper shuffle. But just call in the, the church sign to one eight seven seven two eight two 282 But this fellow sign, this is a church sign. I believe it was up in Canada. Irony is the opposite of wrinkly. What's the point of that? Church sign. Nats are demonic. Nats are demonic? Or mats? No, nats. Because Matthews everywhere would be offended by that. I mean, there might be some demon-possessed Matthews, but nats are demonic. Yes. Well, not sure I would argue... With the language, probably would, but I think what's behind so many of these church signs, we just want to show the world, hey, we got a sense of humor. Well, what you just showed the world is you've got a lame sense of humor. It is so rare when I've seen anything on a church sign that is genuinely like, oh, that's clever. That's witty right there. Instead, they're usually just. Church sign. Someone call 911. Our pastor is on fire. fire. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is. Hello, Mr. Mr. Frio. Another church sign for you. Spring has sprung. God's victory won. Okay. All right. I don't know where the grass's riz is in that. I thought that's where it was going, by the way. Spring has sprung. The grass is riz. I wonder where the flowers is, is the old classic. Can you call that a poem? Well, it's as good as most contemporary worship songs. So let's call it poetry. I thought maybe there'd be some reference to the resurrection. Okay. I don't have to quibble with everything. I could, but I'm not going to. Oh, church sign. What happens in Vegas is forgiven here. Uh-huh, that's so messy. I would prefer what happens in Vegas will be judged by God. That's that's more theologically sound. That at least has a warning to people. That is a perfectly legitimate church threatening. What happens in Vegas is forgiven here would say to the unbeliever, okay, no big deal. I'm good to go. Jimmy, I have to tell you, did you get my email back to you on those new show opens you did? I did. Oh, dude, I can't wait for those to start. They are so <laughs> brutal. You've got, you've got the pastor. You've got a number of them. God is, God is love. He's just, he's just in love with you. 
I don't know why I'm sounding like Francis Chan. Maybe he says that. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But he, God, God just loves it. And then you've got Paul Washer going, God, because I love me too. I'm glad God is on the same page with me. Got to be careful. We do want to preach the love of God. We do want to preach the forgiveness of God. But if we do it sloppily, we could give people the perception that they are in a right relationship with God. Their slate is clean. They are going to inherit eternal life. And that is not a message that we should give to people. Let's be more theologically astute. Let's ask ourselves the question, what is this church sign message sending? Do we need to convey this information about irony and wrinkly? Or do we maybe want to consider something truthful, evangelistic, and yeah, I'll even say it, threatening? I think so. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.